This is the Education Gadfly Show. My husband and I were just taking a walk and somebody screamed out the window, Pokemon! <laughs> what does Gadfly say? This is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. You hear the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me welcoming my co-host, the Pokemon Go of, Ro- <laughs> of Education Reform, Robert Pendicio. Gotta catch them all. So, I, I have a new game idea here, okay. Robert. First of all, this is an amazing thing, right? If you've been reading about this, it, I yeah. I have not played it, though there are, are some rumors that our producer, Audrey, might be playing it. Some rumors. Uh, some rumors. All I know is I went from not knowing what it was on Sunday morning to it being ubiquitous by yeah. Sunday. Have you afternoon. seen people walking around staring at their phones and they well, are showing up anyway, at but. the Holocaust Museum and they're showing up at uh, Arlington National Cemetery. People have had to oh, ask no. them, please oh, no. don't play this oh, game no, here, no, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, a little a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I have this idea for a game. Uh-oh. It's it's called Pondicio Go. Oh, stop it. Okay, and what you do is is you, you just want me to go. You you play <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You read a, a blog post by Robert Pondicio and you look around every corner and look in every paragraph to try to find people not where, it. where, <laughs> where you mention curriculum. You know, oh, like you might God. at first think, oh, okay. this is a charter right. school article. Right. Oh, this is a teacher evaluation article. Oh, this is about civics. But eventually you can find Robert. So you something about repeat myself. <laughs> I'm just saying you might have a hobby horse. Are you saying I repeat myself? (laughs) Hobby horse. You're saying I repeat myself. So, hey, everybody, this is exciting. We have, we're going to try some new things this week on the Education Gadfly Show. We are switching up the format for the first time in a decade. Now, to be honest, it's really just making little tweaks. Okay, we're going to go play Pokemon Go. Or instead of playing Pokemon Go, or instead of playing what we were calling Pardon the Gadfly, right? A takeoff on Pardon the Interruption, if anybody knew that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to play something called Ed Reform Update. (laughs) Uh, We need that old Saturday Night Live music, but Brandon tells me we might get sued if we do that. But we're going to, it's the same basic idea. We're going to talk about ed reform. Uh, but Eventually. We're gonna, trust us, folks. We're going to get there eventually. Stick with us. Exactly. But we're going to do it uh, with three people instead of two. Whoa. Blow your minds. And this week joining us is Fordham's own Brandon Wright. Hey, Brandon. Hey. So, uh, and we do acknowledge that, that we're not doing so well in the diversity front this week uh, with uh, these three white men that were staring Ouch. at each other. Yeah, and, you know, but, but anyways, Alyssa was unavailable and uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week. And, She's and also we do white. hope to, uh, well, all right, that's true. <laughs> uh, but, but we do hope to mix it up in the future, including with some, uh, some guests in here. So here we go now with Ed Reform Update. We're still going to talk about three topics. And the first one is a great piece in this week's Education Gadfly. Mm-hmm. Our own Research Minute star Amber Northern interviews Jason Zimba, who is the lead author of the Common Core Math Standards. And she's trying to get to the bottom of what should seem to be a very simple question, which is, does Common Core Math expect kids to memorize their math facts, like adding single-digit numbers and their times tables. Sure. Why, why is that such a hard well, thing to answer? You know, it's funny. I, 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 when I saw the piece, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. Of course it does. But then when I read Jason Zimba's remarks, like, oh, okay, I do see the difference here. And I see why this has become such a point of contention. I just took it as, as an article of faith. Of course, kids need to memorize their math facts. But there is a, a non-trivial difference between thou shalt memorize your math facts okay. and, and thou shalt have them by memory. In other words, it's not about whether you drill and kill, which is mm-hmm. dirty words in education. It's about whether or not you expect 
expect kids to have that automaticity. Another word that never shows up in this. <laughs> okay, so hold on. So, it's just so everybody's listening is clear. Yeah. All right. Are kids supposed to know is mud? Are they supposed to know their times tables? Yes. Yes. Okay. Are they supposed to have know their addition facts? Yes. yes. Right. And it's supposed to be, you know, where they know them right away. They don't have to do anything in their head to be like, all right, now three plus five. If I do this, it's just supposed to be uh, three, plus, three plus five. Eight. Equals eight. Correct. Right. Very good. It is eight, like what color is, is our sky? It's blue. Yeah. Right? You don't have to think about right. it. Just, like, okay. They've got to know that. Yeah. And and this is such of those misconceptions is that you hear people, including even supporters of Common Core. I mean, we've had this fight with some of our friends who are on our pro Common Core side who mm-hmm. will write these pieces about, isn't it great that Common Core uh, doesn't expect kids to memorize their times tables, right. right? Now, again, it does not expect them to memorize their times tables. It expects them to know their times tables. Yep. And, and Zimba is quite clear on this. I don't have his language in front of me, but it's not about uh, the process. End, the process. It's about the end game. Right. The end game is, yeah, you want to have that automaticity. You want to have kids knowing their math facts. Yeah. Does that mean, Hey, second grade teacher, um, do time drills? Not necessarily how you get them there right. is up to you, but, but doing timed drills and flashcards would also be totally fine. fine. Sure. Yeah. If the that's, standards if that's, don't, if don't if say, don't do that. Teach it. Right. That's the way you expect <sighs> kids to get, to that point, then that's okay. You know, if we could clear up some of this confusion that, for example, flashcards are fine, you know, kids do need to know their times mm-hmm. tables. I yeah. really do think parents would not be so against the common core, but we'll talk all about that uh, tomorrow, Thursday, a big panel in DC about why teachers like common core math and parents do not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, next topic. Speaking of Pokemon go, which is a <laughs> virtual reality, a game, right? Or augmented. augmented. All right. Augmented. But, but I needed the segue here, but <laughs> I want to talk about not just virtual reality, but virtual charter schools. Boom. Yeah, just see, there, I see like what that. you did there. It's a good segue. So uh, it just seems like every week brings more bad news for virtual charter schools. We've had various uh, pr- education reform groups speak mm-hmm. out against virtual charter schools. Walton Family Foundation has spoken out against uh, most virtual charter schools. Mm-hmm. Now we've got K12.com uh, coming to agreement in California for millions of dollars mm-hmm. with the state uh, that resulted from an audit out there. We've got uh, Ohio's largest e-school uh, not uh, succeeding and trying to block a lawsuit in court. Block an audit? Uh, I, I'm sorry, block. They were trying to block an audit in court, an audit of attendance to make sure that the kids that they say they are serving and that they're getting 8,000 bucks per kid for are actually Being quote, showing up. <laughs> right. uh, well, what, we're not showing we're up. We're not what? showing up. What What should we do here? I mean, oh is Lord, you know, some of our libertarian now. friends would accuse uh, those of us who are uh, skeptical of virtual charter schools of being nannies or yeah. technocrats or a even really elitists. Complicated relationship with this. On the one hand, I really think that you can't cut off what, by all accounts, ought to be an important component of education going forward. Mm-hmm. Just because we don't have it right right now does not mean that it is intrinsically bad. Mm-hmm. You cannot deny that the vast majority of online charter mm-hmm. schools are simply not very good. But am I am I to the point where I say, okay, therefore let's stop doing them. Let's throw the switch. No more public money. Ooh, that makes me nervous. Yeah, but that that I don't think that's what what the state is trying to accomplish here, right? No, but like I, like like sure. It actually seems like they're saying, "Hey, look, it seems like the number of kids you are saying actually attend mm-hmm. aren't actually attending." Yeah. Right. And the argument against the audit seems to be um <laughs> we shouldn't have to provide accurate attendance info. 
uh, even though our funding is based on accurate attendance yeah, info. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's hard to sell. Here. Well, hold, oh, but, but Brian, the way you sell it, you say we we're moving away from quote seat time, right? Yeah. I mean, what does it mean to attend right. a virtual charter school? Are you actually requiring the kid to sit there for six hours staring at the screen? Well, no, they I should mean, be off the computer reading and doing math worksheets and, you know, whatever you sure else. Can I ask a question? That's I, the question. So I, if you're going to allow virtual charter schools, you got to, you know, it's going to look different than it's sure. going to look in a brick and mortar Has school. there ever been a comparison made between the results and even the attendance of online charter schools with so-called last chance high schools or transfer schools? Because to me, that's a better analogy. I mean, I don't know this. This is just, this is confirm or, or bias on my part. I'm dad at arm's length. But my sense is there's a significant population served by online charter schools that for whatever reason yep. has simply been failed by traditional education. Yep. Where do we see that? Yep. Transfer schools, last right. chance high schools. Right. I'll bet recovery. you that there's a really good comparison to be made between no, those there, two There things. is, and, and this was a surprise. I mean, those of us, look, I used to work at K12.com way back in the day. I was the hmm. 12th employee ever hired there. And, you know, originally we thought it was going to be sold to homeschoolers. Then right. the virtual charter school then came along. And none of us thought that it was going to be taken up uh, largely by disadvantaged kids or kids who were low performing, okay. right? I mean, this was thought that it was going to be middle-class families with uh, stay-at-home parent. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some. And there are some, but uh, it is a much more disadvantaged and low-performing population choosing these schools than you would expect. And guess what? It doesn't appear to be working for lots of those kids. So mm-hmm. in this but case, what I'd, else has worked for those well, kids, that's, No, that's a fair question. Look, but I do think that mm-hmm. in this case, uh, having, a, having some incentives that encourage virtual schools to cream skim would actually be a good thing. In other words- Wait, say that again. Yeah, okay. So let's say you had a policy that said, mm-hmm. we're only going to pay you if kids are successful. It's going to be a pay for performance. If a kid- passes the course, they pass the test, they demonstrate that they learned something uh, in your virtual school. That's the only way we're going to pay you. Hmm. How would they respond to that? They would no longer go out to recruit just anybody. They would actually try to decipher, is this kid likely to be successful in our school? And I think in this case, hmm. that is what you want. Because the problem, Robert, the the rap on these schools is that they've gone out there willy-nilly just trying to get warm bodies trying to sign up anybody. They don't care if they drop out halfway through. They just want to sign up as many people and get the money. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And you want to that. change those incentives so that they might actually say, okay, does the kid have the support at home, the learning environment, uh, you know, the, the fortitude, the perseverance that will mean that they will be likely successful in this modality. And if they do not, uh, then it's in nobody's interest for that kid to come to our school. But it is in nobody's interest too. And again, this is, we need to know a lot more about this. It's in nobody's interest to shut off the last best hope of kids who've been failed everywhere else too. And then yeah, hold no, online charter you. schools responsible Are those exclusively for the kids them. Who I, I, I simply don't know. I'm saying I yeah. want to know. No, okay. I, I, that's all. That's all fine. All right. One, one, we have time for one more. Uh, oh, we got just a little bit of time left for one more talk. Charter school discipline has been in the news. John King gave a big speech a couple weeks ago. We've been running a series of blog posts from a whole variety of people on mm-hmm. our blog, Fly Paper. Uh, just curious if what you guys see, any kind of consensus forming, at least among people who like charter schools? The consensus seems to be that uh, that it's kind of an, an, an ongoing thing as it should be that 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 charter schools ought to kind of be very deliberate when they approach this, mm-hmm. get a lot of 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 input from from parents, from other schools, yeah. from data, 
Um, that, right, well, here's the right answer, Brandon. No, just kidding. No, look, I see two <laughs> dividing lines here, right? Well, one is between those who believe that this should all be about uh, bottom up, help schools yeah. reflect on their own practices voluntarily if they want to make changes. Great. <clears throat> but don't do anything top down. Don't, yeah. you know, the authorizers should stay away. The Office for Civil Rights should stay away. Consistent with what I said. Yeah. And no, that's right. And, and, and then there's some who really do believe that this calls out for more regulatory action. Hmm. The other dividing line I see though, is simply people who really believe that suspensions are bad yeah. and that less suspension no. is better than more suspensions. No, I'm not there. And, and I, I'm not there either. Robert's not there, but here's the interesting thing, Robert, there are issues that we care a lot about. Like sure. for example, you and I care a lot about a content rich curriculum in yep. the elementary schools. So if we were authorizing a charter school and a school came to us and said, we want to start an elementary school and it's going to teach no content. Uh, yeah, at all. I'd struggle with that. We would struggle with that. So I think part of this is this question about charter autonomy. And part of it is, let's be honest about how you feel about the discipline issue in particular. Yeah. And look, as a, as a once and in, in current classroom teacher, I am still always going to be that guy who says, what about the other 25 kids? You know, not, not, let's not talk about the one or two kid who's being, who being right. disciplined. Let's talk about the 25 kids who have their education compromised when we do not take discipline seriously. So I get the issue. I get the disparate impact. I, I think it's a concern. I do worry that it, it can easily become yet another one of those tails that mm -hmm. wags the schooling dog. And that, my friends, is Ed Reform Update for this week. Now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Welcome back to the show, Amber. Thank you, Mike. Are you a Pokemon fan? <laughs> Man, that stuff's driving me crazy. Yeah. Really? My husband and I were just taking a walk and somebody screamed out the window, Pokemon! <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we're just like taking a walk around the neighborhood. That's pretty funny. <laughs> were, were you dressed all in blue? Or something? I mean, I, my husband had like a neon, no, I don't oh, know enough about go. the game, but he had a neon shirt on because it was yeah. getting dark and we were taking a walk. Yeah. You know? Does that have something to do with the game? Know. Does it? I have no Somebody idea. Somebody themselves. I, I have no idea. I have, in fact, made sure not to say anything to my boys because I don't want them to know oh, about it. Oh, because they're never going to hear about it unless you mention <laughs> well, it. Well, right now it's a little right, bit Dad? easier. Well, they're not at school, right? Because yeah. it's the summer. And so it's a little bit easier. Are they they're, and they're not ground? at camp this week. Uh, they do go to swim practice. I mean, I'm just saying that there's a possibility here because if they hear about it, I'm never going to see my phone oh, again. Dream yes. on, yeah. brother Patrillo. Well, I can on. at least, I'm just trying to, you know, make it stretch out the time before That's this craziness right. starts. Okay. That's right. <laughs> All right, Amber, what you got for us? We got a new study out by NBER titled, what can we learn from charter school lotteries? Because Ooh. we want to learn some stuff from these yeah. things. So they pool estimates from other lottery based studies of the effect of charter school attendance on outcomes. They have to rescale these estimates of effect as needed so they can be comparable across studies. And they end up with a sample of 113 schools that are drawn from a series of studies, including on KIPP, on SEED, on charters in Massachusetts, New mm -hmm. York City, Boston, among others. So mm -hmm. there's a whole list of which studies they included and where they are taking place. Mm -hmm. On average, they find that each year enrolled at one of these schools increases math scores by about 0.08 standard deviation Boom. and English language scores by about 0.04 standard deviation. Wow. Yet there's wide variation as expected. Then they link this impact data to school practices, inputs, and characteristics of the fallback schools, mm. which are the non-charter schools that the lottery losers attend the following year. 
Okay. And they find that schools that have adopted a no excuses model. So we say, okay, what does that mean exactly? And it means among other things that they have a longer instructional time, mm-hmm. that they have um, uniforms for the most part. Traditional public schools with these things, you mean? No excuse. No, what, what does a well, no excuses model right. mean? Okay. This is how they define it. Okay. So they have a longer instructional time. They have college preparation services. They have high expectations from teachers and principals and uniforms among some other things. Okay. Hmm. And these types of schools are correlated with large gains in performance. But here's the but. They're also concentrated in urban areas with poor performing schools, right? We know this. Sure. So they determine that the gains are largely driven by the poor performance of the fallback traditional schools. And once they control for the performance of the fallbacks, and then they examine the individual components of the new excuses model, which are all these little things that I talked to you about. Right. They find that the only thing that remains statistically significant in improving student performance is intensive tutoring mm-hmm. so and then they i mean they say this is suggestive and it is because it's this part of the analysis is only based on 57 schools right because you know whatever there were a bunch of conditions and these schools made the cut um and they weren't randomly assigned to tutoring but they have this like two pages in the report where they say nonetheless this reinforces some uh findings we have from other studies that right. really show the importance of intensive tutoring somewhere okay. mike goldstein goldstein smiles <laughs> Yes. Right. Of match education where they do a lot of tutoring. tutoring. Um, And then they talk, you know, what's difficult about studies like these is that there are not too many no excuses schools in suburbia. So we really, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, we can't really see whether they're, you know, (laughs) all excuses. uh And there aren't like other types of schools in, um, you know, suburban areas. I mean, mostly, I mean, these no excuses schools are in certain areas, right? And suburbia charter schools tend to be about the arts and STEM and whatever. So, and I mean, first of all, you very useful contribution, right? Mm-hmm. And I think important to remind people that when you hear people say there's there's no evidence that charter schools are any better than traditional public schools, I mean, I just want to say, ah, that, that is not out. That's an outdated statement. Outdated. Uh, but this thing about only tutoring works. I just wonder, like, how can how you possibly you aggregate that? Well, in a way, it's more or... that the other stuff that a yeah. great no excuses school does. I'm not sure how you collect data that. on that, right? Uh, it's yeah. a, right. It's, it's about fidelity and implementation and drive and a commitment of excellence and do, and do all those things continuous feed, improvement do all of those things feed the urgency with which the tutoring is received well and so I'm saying right. that I don't doubt the tutoring part but I'm right. just saying I would imagine it's other stuff measure. matters too yes. that it's the culture the right. professional We're culture the of the thing. school sure. that's exactly you know, right. that, and these right. are based on the Roland Fryer yeah. stuff you yeah. know yeah. And, yeah. and honestly it really is hard to we know this measure right. this non-measurable hard yeah. to touchy feely <laughs> stuff yeah to measure the non-measurable. Well, I think it was well said. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> right. And, uh, but it says, all right, so if, if other but if traditional public schools want to be more like these no excuses charter schools, they could have longer school days. They could, but what they really should do is tutoring, yeah. which by the way, I think the blended learning people should have their ears perk up at this mm-hmm. because yeah. one yeah. goal of blended learning is to figure out ways to structure the school day so that kids can get some tutoring, some one-on-one instruction sure. from the teacher, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the only way that's really feasible is if there's some group of kids, you know, 
working on a computer while that's happening or isn't the wasn't the blending learning the time that you're on the computer isn't it supposed to be in some of these models tailored to the weaknesses that the kids well, already yeah, shown the short test theory, yes so i mean i hate to say it but can a computer be a tutor right I mean, no or right? right no it could i think there's some of that and you could do tutoring like you know over the internet as well the tutor could be in india that's and right. you could be it's a really interesting question are there studies on that I don't know. Robert. All right. Well, let's get let's get busy, researchers. <laughs> All right. Cool stuff. Thank it you. It is cool stuff. I really like that we're seeing more and more meta analyses because yeah. we've actually c- accumulating a large body of rigorous research and education, yep. and now we can begin to see. Okay, let's all pull them together and see what patterns we have. Yep. You're here. All right. Hey, everybody out there. First of all, let us know if you're playing Pokemon Go, <laughs> and also let us know what you think of our. Slightly new format. You can send us a tweet at Education Gadfly. I'm at at Michael Petrilli. Robert's at our Pundicio. And Amber is not on Twitter. I'm not what? on Twitter. Oh my gosh, it's terrible. But if you don't want the research minute on, I'm never going to find out. So yeah, so, so we're going to just keep doing it no matter what. <laughs> right. All right. That's all the time for this week. Till next week. I'm Robert Pundicio. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.